Hello, I'm George and I'm Claire and we're we're blathering on. And welcome back to the Blathering On podcast. Hello again. For episode four. Um, So yeah, we're just going to move swiftly into the recommendation corner. I keep, I keep. I I like that jingle. Yeah, thank you. That was nice. I just keep changing it. It's it's fun. Yeah. Um, Right. Yeah. So over to you. That was that was very good. Um, Okay. So this week. I have binge watched because that's basically how this works. Um, I've been binge. Yeah, we just quickly binge watched something. It was just like, yeah. <laughs> go on, we need something for the episode. Yeah, sorry. Exactly. Um, so <coughs> it's the investigation, which is quite an uninspiring title, but I think that it it was. It's a. I think it's a good title, isn't it's, it? It's well, yeah. It's it's. Um, yeah, I think uninspiring is the wrong word, isn't it? It was. I get what you mean. A, it sounds a, kind of like. Huh, just the investigation. What, investigation? Just an investigation. But, I mean, it was by choice. Um, Anyway, it's available on iPlayer. I don't know where else it is available, I'm afraid. I'm sorry about that. Um, But, basically, um, it's a true story um, about the investigation into the disappearance of a Swedish journalist, Kim Wall, in 2017. So it's quite recent history, so you may well have um, known of it. It's um, set in Denmark, so obviously it's um, subtitled. um, Written and directed by Tobias Lindholm, who um, he's a co-creator, actually, of Borgen and Mindhunter. So I know both of those have been well-received in the past. I haven't seen either of those, but I did thoroughly enjoy this it's um basically um the the fact that it is actually given such a nondescript i think that was the word i was looking for a nondescript mm. title is because um we don't ever see you know there's no like reenactment of the crime there's um because basically um, i mean it is a, it is a drama like they're all it is actors. a drama yeah like, this is not like a documentary as such. no it's this not is. a documentary um but i mean it's it's um about this disappearance and uh, eventually they realized that this journalist was murdered mm. um i mean it's quite recent history i mean i remember when it happened and it was all over the papers um and i can't say i followed it that closely but one of the big things that everyone will remember it by is um the person that was accused of her murder had built a homemade submarine. So, but the interesting thing about this is they've sort of focused on the case. They have made a decision to leave out completely the perpetrator of the crime, mm. you know, or the or the um the accused, um, and and not cover any of that at all. There's no sort of like trying to reconstruct it there's no interviews with him there's there's none of his side of the story Mm -hmm. is involved at all which is really interesting and i think it's sort of um it's interesting because it made me sort of think about um the one of the big um books in the recent past few years has been the five 
um, which is about the women that Jack the Ripper killed. Because, um, you know, people may have known their names, but they don't really know know an awful lot about them. Yeah, properly. I mean, it's Jack the Ripper. We we all know Jack the Ripper, but yeah. Exactly. It's always been focused on the perpetrator. And it's a really interesting direction to go. And I do think it is no less compelling to watch um in fact i found it more compelling to be honest because um trying watching them trying to put together yeah. this case against someone who kept yeah, cause it's... changing his story yeah and and trying to get this you know this conviction in place because as they keep saying you know without certain factors um, you know, he, he might have walked free or, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I haven't watched it, but I mean, from what you say, it's basically, it's not like an actual... It, it's like they're not really, like, investigating murder as much as they're trying to put a case against this guy to put him in jail. That's exactly. The, that's the real main thrust of the programme. That's what you're... Yeah, exactly. You know, they, you know um, they, they get quite early on, they feel like, you know, they've got their man... And, and they're just literally trying to um, put together this case. And it is sort of twisty-turny. There's some really tense moments. Um, the, it, it shows the value of cooperation between various people because at points in the story, you see they bring in, um, you know, Swedish cadaver dogs. There's um, the Navy comes in and helps because um, of the tide patterns. Because they're trying to find evidence that is underwater and it's, you know, a vast area and it's so difficult. And the divers worked so hard on this. Um, Yeah, so, I mean, it it is really interesting Um, and it's it's quite a quiet sort of um, programme. It's a six-parter. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, there's no like, it, it's not like oh, fast paced chase or anything. This is literally them trying to construct yeah, it's them something. Just trying so, to... yeah, I mean, I suppose it's like a lot of sitting in their heads and seeing like that. Yeah, and they discuss things to and you're get just this like, guy. Mm. Um, yeah, you just really want them to sort of, you know, come up with it and and how they. Because I think you were saying, weren't you, that like. Sorry, what were you going to say? No, no, no. What were you going to say? I, then... I, I, I was going to say, um, I think you were saying that, like, obviously they were, it was the guy's right to change his story. Yeah, so they yeah, couldn't that's really it. work so... off that. Like, they could obviously go, that seems pretty fishy. They can go, well, yeah. you know. But, like, obviously they've got to find evidence. They've got to really Yeah, the onus is really them. on them to um, prove the case mm. rather than anything else. Um, uh, one of the interesting things about this as well is that the parents of Kim Wall um, were heavily involved with it and they actually, their dog was actually in this, um, in this programme and, um, you know, they were behind the cameras sometimes or they were, you know, reading scripts and things like that. So they were sort of almost like consulting, like going, oh, yeah. this is, this is okay, yeah, or, you know. Yeah. And um and obviously Tobias Lindholm uh, spoke to the man who was conducting the case, Jens Moller, um, who, I mean, he made a decision early on that he was not going to interview the main suspect in the case. 
Um, he was just going to be behind the scenes, you know, constructing the case against him. But so we, we don't ever get to see, you know, the person who was charged or, you know, um, we do hear what was said, but it's from police, um, not not from his mouth. And, you know, honestly, I... I really appreciate that. Um, yeah. I I was saying that I sort of, in comparison with something like The Serpent, so that, now, um, I did really, really enjoy The Serpent and it was incredibly tense. Um, uh, it had a very different feel to it, obviously, because we have the whole... Um, well, we have you know, the side like of re- the killer. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a reenactment sort of thing um, as a drama. And, um, but, you know, basically the bit that I was really interested in was the case. So it was kind of like remove the bit of the serpent because honestly, I have no interest in what he has to say or Mm. what he did um, himself or, you know, how amazingly clever he thinks he is. Um, You know, I mean, I know that the guy who who did that, he, he still commands... Um, a lot of money for interviews and things like that and it it it's kind of gross mm. um you know that that's what people want to read about you know mm. I'm not interested in that uh, <laughs> um Wasn't I mean I, I sort of I, I mean obviously you are you are to I a do, point aren't you I think yeah I was, I was gonna say I do watch like true crime things and obviously there is like this human instinct to be really sort of fascinated by it. but I do think it is just really interesting seeing the police like the police procedural side of things has always been something that I'm really interested in mm. um so yeah this was forensics. really for that side so I think this was really for you in a way wasn't it yeah like yeah, not made for you but you know it's like you know yeah totally well yeah i mean you know i've i've really really enjoyed you yeah. know it was incredibly compelling mm. um so yeah i'd highly recommend that bbc iplayer it's on at the moment i have no idea i, I mean it may be released on dvd i'm not sure but yeah i'd give that a watch if you can cool moving on okay then moving on oh that's larger now <laughs> sorry <laughs> <laughs> the, the number is larger. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help noticing. I was like, hang on, that looks different. Okay. Sorry, it's the recording equipment. Um, not recording. The anyway. Moving on, we're talking about Farscape. Yay! Yay! Um, so Farscape is a sci-fi series uh, started in nineteen ninety nine. Um, it's a series I've been meaning to get into and watch. I have the first series on DVD, um, but getting it here at least is really difficult for some odd reason. Uh, so we're watching it on Prime. So if you live in the UK, you can get it on on Prime if it's on there. If you have Prime, um, Amazon Prime. So yeah, okay. So the series is uh, basically about John Crichton, who is. Uh, testing out this theory um, with this, like, the little ship that he's made or whatever, this spaceship. Yeah. Um, it, it's basically... what was called Farscape? Yes, it yeah. was the Farscape, Farscape 1, I think it was called, wasn't it? Yeah. So he's testing out this thing, um, this theory in which he uses the gravity to go really fast. 
with a spaceship. That's that's the basic. <laughs> that's a really technical version. Yeah. Um, it goes really far. <laughs> it goes well fast, mate. <laughs> it's a fast game. Um, but he gets sucked into a wormhole and um, ends up millions of light years into another bu- he went pa- so fast he yeah like in into a, diff- a into a different bit of space basically yeah where um it's all completely different so everyone has got spaceships there's alien life um and they're mixing and then you've got you know there's all this different culture so he lands there he immediately is in the midst of trouble where this floating prison ship called moya um it's a living ship um, is under attack and the prisoners have basically broke through, broke through, sorry, broke, broke free, sorry, I can't speak. <laughs> you were thinking about the doors there, weren't you? Break on through to the other side. No, I wasn't, but you know. <laughs> no, no, um, so he, la- he he basically pulls that ship and he has to basically uh, go along with them, basically, and we get introduced to other characters along the way. Um, now, we're going to be talking about the first two episodes. Yes. So that's how the first episode begins, basically. He gets on the ship and he's meeting the new creatures. So you've got a few characters. So obviously you've got John Crichton, who is our human character. Yep. Um, he's kind of like... Um, I don't know, he, he's, he's kind of doofy, to be he quite is, honest. He's kind of a doofy, like... He kind of reminds me of Indiana Jones, but a doofy version of Indiana Jones, if you know what I mean. You know? Or the guy from Firefly, a bit. Yeah, yeah. He reminds me of that guy as well. Yeah. Um, But even more doofy, you know. And he he says a lot of references to older films and stuff in the series. Uh, You've also... So, the prisoners on the ship... um, I mean, obviously, you've got to talk about Moya, which is a living ship. Yeah. uh, Which which is is really cool. That is a really cool idea, yeah. Yeah. Because she's like... Yeah, you know, I'm going to look after mm. my... Um, so, you, so you've got your basic rules for this ship as well. I mean, you know, it can't get too hot. And it, you know, it, it does feel like there are actual set-in-place things for this, this ship, doesn't there? And these yeah. people as well. Yeah. Um, so then uh, on the ship, the prisoners, the prisoners on that ship are... Uh, so we've got Cardargo... Yeah. Who is a... I forget what he's called. Um, He's an alien. <laughs> he's, he's an alien? Yes. Yeah. You, see, you should have written this down. Um, He he is a type of species. I've forgotten what, what type of species he's called. Um, He's a warrior race, basically. Um, And um, he's been imprisoned because of a mysterious thing that we don't know. Well, he says that um he killed a soldier while in action. But it's actually something else that we it's literally we, just all the episodes that I've got on here. So yes, this is really that we we not um helpful. that we don't know. Uh, then we have uh, Zar, I believe her name is. That's her name, isn't it? <laughs> we should have prepared. See, this is we need notes of the characters. Um, yes. who is this blue alien woman, who is a priestess, um, and. She's kind of like. She's, she, she's an empath kind she's of thing. Zan. Zan, sorry. Zan. Zan, yeah. Zan, sorry. So she's like an empath. Um, and then you have Rigel, um, who has been falsely imprisoned by. Was it his brother or his cousin? 
I can't remember. Look. See, this is why we needed notes. Um, so, yeah, so... You've been like, oh, being... we don't need notes. <laughs> You're just playing with that now, trying to get to the bit that you need I'm just trying... Yeah, I'm just literally trying to... Uh, so then you have Rigel. Ago, um, had... So he's this little alien thing, and he comes from a planet... Uh, he, he comes from a race of people who are like... they. They're rich and they've, you know, they're sort of playing as these sort of kings and that, aren't they, basically? Or that sort of thing. They're sort of royalty. Uh, so he was royalty, but he got imprisoned. Um, so he's on the prison ship. And then uh, during the fight, they suck in a peacekeeper who are the people that these prisoners are trying to escape uh, from. Yeah. Um, and they're they're kind of like... Uh, the the police force in that area, but they're sort of evil police force. Like they they go a bit too much, basically. It seems. Yeah, they're um, very. Um... It is. It's kind of like you know. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, basically, uh, they suck up one of the. They suck up. That sounds really rude. <laughs> they they suck in one of the the uh, peacekeeper ships. And the peacekeeper there is called Aaron Sun. Um, and she basically joins after she's um, basically uh, is also uh, becomes part of that crew because they think that she's been contaminated by the alien known as uh, our human main character. So that's. That's how it's set up. I've just now explained it all. And have you just found the characters? Well, it's not very well set up online. Because... Well, I could probably find it in two ticks, but okay. Okay, yeah, I'm old. So obviously I'm struggling with the whole, you know, thing. Anyway, um... it doesn't matter. <laughs> so let's talk about it then. So episode one is... I feel like episode one is um a fun beginning episode you get introduced to all your main characters um and obviously your main competition which is uh Crace, who is basically the head of one of the ships yeah, um of the peacekeepers he, i think yeah i think he's the head of peacekeepers i you know i, I don't I don't know if it's just that battleship or if he's actually the head of all of the ships. I because I I think he's I don't think he's actually the head of all of them. We I have to say wrong. as well. So like, um, although we've watched the first two episodes, not everything is explained. So it this is yeah. Why you're sort of you're sort of thrown sort of like, you're sort yeah. of thrown into it like Crichton is exactly. Um, so because... you're thrown into the deep end. So, you know, these alien characters are talking about stuff that you're not going to understand completely right away. Exactly. Um, so, like, you know, they're talking about their alien species. They're talking about certain things. And you're like, I've got no idea. Um, now, they don't all talk English to start with. Uh, the idea is they get these little microbes that's uh in in the into their bloodstream that sits at the back of their minds or whatever i, I don't know yeah you get injected with it and it's it's just it's like, a translator so, microbe yeah so that's um, how it kind of reminds me actually a lot of this reminds me of doctor who because the tardis is a living ship see it reminds me of um hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy in the but i can't remember if it's called Babelfish or Babelfish. Yes, yes. I know, obviously, the game, the text-based game, that was always the thing. You had to get a 
uh, Babelfish, didn't you? And um, that was like, um, it was really hard and you only had like one chance or something. I can't, or a certain amount of chances. So it went down in gaming history as one of the most difficult things. And it was, <laughs> so there was literally Excellent. t-shirts that say, I got the Babelfish. So that's quite fun. Wow. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I believe that's what it was. I could be wrong. But um, yeah. So yeah, no, it's... But it's... this is in conjunction as well. So so the, half the reason why you were interested in watching this was because of the Henson connection, weren't you? Yes, so it's... Uh, Jim Henson, does, the, the company, does... Um, basically the alien like prosthetics and puppets and stuff. Yeah, um, which is really So this is cool. really ahead of its time in the fact that um, it doesn't really use uh, any sort of CGI for the aliens. It, it does for the spaceships and that. But it's mostly prosthetics and puppets, yeah. which are really cool. Uh, now, you do have painted blue aliens uh, like Zahn and, and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But you know, so Rigel is a little puppet, you know, little, uh, little puppet guy. Yeah, and he who farts sits on a, helium. Yes, he does fart helium. Who sits on this little hover thing, and it's he's he's it's he's great. quite fun. He he's the uh, sort of comic comic relief character, isn't he? Yeah, um, definitely. So you've got him. Um, well, but you've quite got a bit some... of squabbling between the crew as well. Isn't yes, they? there you know, is. Yeah, because they can't quite... all trust it each is other. Fun. It's a lot of fun, yeah. Now, obviously, I know, obviously, starting out, um, it sort of starts out episodic. I know it gets more into sort of, like, big storylines and character stuff as they sort of explore different character dynamics and stuff like that. Uh, but starting out, it's a lot of fun. You're just throwing this alien world that looks really good and it's got some really uh, fun ideas in it. So, obviously, yeah. you've got the living ship, you've got the peacekeepers... Yeah, the living um, ship as well has a pilot that is basically fused to it. So they're yeah, sort so of like... Who is actually called Pilot? I forgot to talk about Pilot, yeah. who is one of the characters. Um, um, who is also a puppet. Who is also a massive one. Absolutely massive. Really cool-looking puppet who yeah. has loads of arms that are like... Sort of like squid things, aren't they? It's or, like a squiddy thing. Yeah. yeah. And then big big heads that's... that's yeah. Sort of, I, I don't know how to explain it. It looks really cool. It does. But this is sort of how I first wanted to watch it because I was like, this looks really cool. And the, or even the background aliens look amazing, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's good fun. So, like, in the first episode, you get the setup of... Uh, I mean, I know you've already said, you know, you basically see um, John Crichton before his um, trip to test his theory. Mm. You see him get sucked into a wormhole. He's in the middle of some kind of battle. He manages to um, annoy Crace uh, by, you know... By accidentally... By accidentally killing his brother. brother yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he gets, like, dragged on to Moya um, mm. and meets everyone on there. And it's... Yeah, it's a nice pace, isn't it? It is. It's pretty fast-paced. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, through it, I had no idea what was going on for most of the time, but it was great. You just go with it and you learn stuff as you go along. Mm. So there is a lot to learn as you go along, which is why I think, you know, we sort of struggled with. <laughs> well, to be is. fair, well, no, it was more that I hadn't got down the notes because they're all different names and they're quite hard names to remember sometimes. And like you got the species and it's like you can't remember the species names. Yeah. I mean, no, I know them. It. it wasn't really a difficulty in not really knowing them. 
Um, All right, but yeah, so, <laughs> so the, the first episode, I mean, basically, uh, basically gives us our first sort of idea of the world and then how, um, you know, Crichton is going to sort of team up with these guys and sort of get these guys together. Um, the second episode then sort of gets us into the episodic thing where we're, we're getting... Yeah, you get a sort of... Individual story. Yeah, individual stories. Um, now, we're getting little bits here and there about, you know, what's what may come up soon and everything. So there's always that threat of um, Crace and the Peacekeepers. And obviously, later on, we get new villains and that... Um, which I'm excited to because I haven't got to uh, Scorpion yet. Because I've watched, uh, I think it's called Scorpion or Scorpio. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, I, I've watched more than you, haven't I, Mum? But yeah, because yeah, so... you started watching this and then you said, well, let's, let's uh, watch it together. Yeah, um, so this is going to yeah. be a continuing thing. We're going to do two, uh, episodes, two episodes, episodes each. Yeah episode if that makes sense yeah. each each podca- podcast episode we'll talk about two of the farscape episodes yeah so on the second episode um when it it, it becomes more of a, a sort of singular um, yeah so it's more like... singular thing now obviously the peacekeepers still looking for them you do have the peacekeepers in it um apart obviously as well as aronson who was a peacekeeper um no, sorry yeah go on yeah, no, well, no, I was just going to say, um, so this this one sort of revolves around, um, it's kind of based under siege, isn't it? And then they, well, they're, they're on, on the bit, ship. A little bit, yes. They're on the ship, they're floating through an unnamed bit of space. Um, yeah, that and is, they get infiltrated by this thing. These little bugs, basically. Yeah. Well, not little bugs, but they're quite the, big bugs. No, they're massive well, bugs, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Which look great as well, again. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, lo- I um, love, um, sorry, go on. Sorry, no, carry on. No, I was just going to say I love I love the scene with Crichton and the bug just going side to side. Yeah. That's quite funny. <laughs> yes. We should it say is. the show is very funny as well. It's... It is. It's very funny, um, which is, you know, it, that is part of its charm. Mm. Um, but, yeah, no, so, so in the second one, um, so you've got these bugs. You don't really know what they're there for. And it's really interesting, I think, in, in the direction it takes because normally it would be sort of like a all-out warfare trying to get rid of the bugs. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not necessarily the case in this. No. I mean, we don't want to talk too much, like, go too far with it. But it's really interesting. Actually, no, just we'll, we'll spoil it a bit. But... Basically, it's really interesting that they go for sort of the opposite direction of, oh, they have to have this war of softening the bugs, where it's like actually looking at the fact that, I mean, obviously, don't judge a book by its cover. Um, also, like, uh, codependency and stuff like that. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and also, I mean, it does bring into some interesting themes, which the show is known for. Yeah. Um, so I... And I thought, I found that really, um, you know, I loved that. I loved that it took that direction and, and went for that. Honestly, we could do with more of that. Mm. You know, I feel like we've sort of taken steps backwards from the 90s in some respects. Mm. Um, you know, it seems a lot harsher out there than... Um, I mean, obviously, this was going into the 2000s. It so. was, yeah. But, you know, it, it does seem like th- things were... You know, we were more prepared to look at things in that way, whereas now it's like, oh, it's all going back the other way again. Mm. But, you know... 
um, it is nice just to see a program sort of addressing that issue that not everything that initially seems like a challenge to your way of life mm. it is is actually a major threat you know mm. you can try and compromise yeah exactly i mean i'd also say that like it's really clever how things work out in this story like they go in an interesting direction um, we also get some stuff to do with the characters i mean you get to learn more about each character exactly um, yeah. i mean we learn a little bit more about rigel uh, we learn more about Aaron's son and the peacekeepers through yep. a certain thing that's to do with her. Yep. Um, we don't necessarily learn too much about Cardago or really Zahn, but we, we, we get little tidbits and we have some fun scenes with them. Um, and yeah. obviously Crichton continues his sort of jumping into the unknown and trying to work with this group of people that... Not all of them are on his side. Yeah. Um, and especially with Aronson and Cardago, who are warrior races, they're very much against him, obviously, to start with, and, and, and not so on his side. But we get some interesting stuff there. And, I mean, obviously, we have the 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 startings of what becomes a will-wait-won't-they romance between Aronson and... and uh, Obvious, you know. And Crichton, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obvious. Uh, Which I hear doesn't just stretch out for ages and ages. I hear it sort of gets mostly, like, started in, in series two, so that's fun. Um, cool. Because, I mean, sometimes series sort of stretch those things on they can get a bit dull, can't they? They stretch them out. And um, I don't know. I mean, from my perspective, it's like, um, so there's two that I'm particularly thinking about which is Moonlighting and X-Files, funnily enough. I suppose Friends as well. The will they, won't they sort of thing. Mm. Um, I mean, Friends, not so much because Rachel and Ross got together in the second series. But, you know, um, but basically they did stretch out these uh, they these sort of frissons of romance um, t for a long time. Um but then as soon as they got involved with each other, it sort of killed it. Mm. Um, because that was all you were really sort of, you know, people sort of tended to be only watching for that in the end, I think. Mm. Um, maybe. Or more for that. I don't really know. but um, Or maybe, like, in terms of character, that's what they had. And once they blew it, they blew it sort of thing. But I think there's more going on with these characters. So I think, obviously, with yeah, that... Yeah, they're can... very interesting characters. And we are going to learn more. I mean, you know, I, I've watched more, so I know a bit more about them now. And I do know some of the things that get brought up. Uh, now, I haven't watched all of Series 1. Series 1 is 22 episodes. Um, so we'll see how we go with this whole thing of doing, like... Two episodes each. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll move on to series two, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I think we will, because it's a fun series, and I'd like to... It is a really fun series, Because I, yeah. I know that the, it changes its direction and goes into a really interesting place. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, where that goes and, and how we feel about yeah, it. Yeah, because, like, so, so you know a lot more about the series than I do. Yeah. So, because I, I know... Basically nothing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really intrigued. Um, yeah. Looking forward to watching some more. Yeah. Okay, I think that sort of explains it for the uh, first two episodes. We really did enjoy them as well, I should say that. We, we're excited yeah. to move on. 
Um, and yeah, so now we're going to move on to our next bit in the podcast. Yes. Okay, so moving on, just me. Um, I'm going to be doing a little review, I guess, of uh, Series 2 of Jurassic Park Camp Cretaceous. Um, so obviously I haven't talked about Series 1 of Camp Cretaceous on the podcast. I watched that um, a while ago and it's a series that I really enjoyed. I, I thought it was quite good. Um, it kind of started out as kind of dumb, a bit silly, but kind of fun. And then it got sort of more more interesting as it went on with the first series. Um, and then with series two, um, I, I was quite excited for it. Now, it came out on the 22nd. So it's been a little while since it came out. And I meant to talk about it uh, last episode, but I've only just uh, seen it. Um, so it's eight episodes, just like the the first series, um, and we pick up straight after series one. And obviously, I'm spoiling stuff here. I'm going to be spoiling series one. So if you haven't watched series one, then obviously you're going to need to watch series one. Um, and I will be spoiling quite a bit with series two. Um, hopefully, I'll keep it on the lighter side, but I don't know. We'll we'll see how this goes. Um, so we pick up straight after series one, where uh, Darius, uh, Yasmin or Yasmina, Brooklyn and Kenji and Sammy or Sam are basically uh, stuck on the island, um, and they're basically just trying to survive and also find a way of making contact with outlier out uh, outside civilization to to make them realise that there's still people trapped on the island. And obviously, series one obviously ended with them trying to get to the boat and it had left, so it trapped them. And also, supposedly having one of the characters, Ben, uh, dying. Now, obviously, at the end of series one, we got to see that, like, he wasn't actually dead. Um, So, obviously, there's... There's a there's a build up to his character real and he does come back in this series. Um but I mean let's just let's just um sort of focus on character things first. So this series was pretty good. Um it was no, I, I did actually really enjoy this series, I've got to admit. Um Like Camp Cretaceous is nothing groundbreaking, um, but it's fun, um, it's well done for what it is. Um, I mean, the animation is not the most prettiest of things, um, and can, sometimes it's quite ugly, but, you know. Um, so, in terms of characters, so, um, obviously, Darius is kind of, uh, basically the same position that, uh, he was left at in series one, where he's sort of this... Uh, very knowledgeable kid who's thrust into a situation he's not prepared for. Um, and obviously he also has this, he, he thinks he has the blood of Ben on his hands, basically. He thinks he let him die. He, so he's uh, facing some of those demons. And obviously it's um, children orientated, so there's not um, too much depth with it. Um, 
but obviously you can understand, you know, with with uh, Darius's mindset at the beginning of, of series two. Um, I'm happy to report that the uh, Yasmina and Sam thing, that whole uh, like break of friendship and then being annoyed at each or, you know, uh, Yasmina being annoyed at Sam has ended. Like that just doesn't get brought up again, really, in, in this series, which is just awesome. Because I felt like that was one of the things that really sort of uh, dragged a bit for me. Um, it was just kind of grating. And uh, when they finally sort of kind of made up, it, it, it was definitely a lot, you know, a lot more enjoyable. Um, Brooklyn, again, is kind of the same character. She's like the popular vlogger who's trapped on the island. And, and she still wants to be that. Um, she she still kind of is the the famous airhead who who has, um, who's who's rich, um, and I say her character is probably the weakest for me personally, um, and the most annoying because, like watching her, there there I I feel like there is some contempt for those type of people. I, the thing is, I understand where they're coming from, but it's kind of cringy, um. There's just a kind of cringe level there of, of watching people trying to do kid talk who are obviously writing as adults. Um, Kenji is, is great. I, I love Kenji. Uh, Kenji is an interesting one because he has, obviously, like in series one, has the potential to be annoying. But he ends up being um, quite a fun character. And I do... I. I did enjoy the friendship between Kenji and Darius in series one. And it doesn't really get brought back in this series as much. Um, but I did like, um, I can't remember which episode it is. I think it was either the, I think it might have been the third episode. Uh, the Watering Hole, when Kenji and Darius go off on a little adventure um, themselves. And I kind of liked the whole thing of Darius really wanting for Kenji to be into the stuff he likes. And I, I thought it was kind of sweet. Um, Sam is kind of, again, another character I'm not, like, awfully fond of. Um, she's... I don't know. She, I, I think she's kind of... Um, she's quite loud and out there. Um, and, and those characters sort of grate on me a little bit. But she's okay. And, and she is a bit more... She's less front and centre because her story has kind of concluded. I mean, we get some more stuff about, like, the group she was working for. Um, so, I can't really talk about Ben too much. I'll get onto it in a minute once I get to... I'll tell you when I get to, like, deeper into spoilers and you can, can turn it off. Um, but obviously, the, the series basically starts out as a survival thing. So it's it's basically the opposite of what uh, Series 1 did, where obviously you were introduced to the characters. So it was, it was, it was quite a rocky start in Series 1, whereas Series 2, you're immediately thrust into them having, um, you know, having this survive, trying to survive in this environment. And there's some fun moments... Um, we get, obviously, Tyrannosaurus Rex, um, and we get a few others. I'm, I'm not a big dinosaur expert, so, yeah. Uh, but there's some, some great, uh, dinosaurs here, um, and some, 
interesting moments. Now, a driving force of this one um, is interesting because basically, um, unlike series one where there was a definite, uh, like, uh, end point as such, and not really end point, but like a definite, this is where they needed to get to. Uh, series two, obviously, I mean, obviously series one um, started before the dinosaurs broke out. But obviously you knew that the dinosaurs were going to break out. This one's a little different because you don't really know where you're starting from and where it's going to go. Um, now, I was under the impression that this was going to be uh, basically the, uh, before and then during the second film. I thought maybe the volcano um, would would factor into this, but it didn't. Um, so this is obviously before any of that happens. Now, the main driving force of this one is, uh, so it starts out the first half, a bit like series one. The first half starts out, um, not not like series one, but like in series one, the first half is different to the second half. So in uh, series two, the first half is a survival thing. And then in the second half of the series, um, you're gradually getting more stuff and like uh, actual like, this is what they need to do. Uh, this is the actual, like, villain, I guess, of the piece. Um, and series two is good. I, I've enjoyed, I enjoyed series two. It was, it was fun. I mean, if you enjoyed series one, then it's more of that. If you didn't, don't bother with series two. You know, you're, you're still with the same characters. Um... So, I mean, that's all I can really do without spoiling it. So, going into spoilers then. Um, so, once we get to, um, like, episode four, um, we basically get um, introduced to uh, two characters. Well, actually, another character. Um, of course, right down. Uh, so, there's Tiff and Mitch. So... Tiff and Mitch uh, enter the the story when um, when the kids see a campfire glowing and they run to you know try and get to it because they think oh help has come um, because early on in the series obviously you had the um, them trying to get the distress beacon or whatever um, so obviously they meet Tiff and Mitch. Um, and I mean, okay, so Tiff and Mitch obviously end up becoming villains. Um, we have this whole, like, mystery of what they're really doing on the island, and then there's that hunter guy. Um, I've forgotten his name. He, he sort of goes to waste. Um, I liked what we had of him, but he, yeah, he died pretty quickly. Um, but Tiff and Mitch are basically hunters, uh, big game hunters, and they're there for the dinosaurs. So, and honestly, they... Oh my god, the hate that I felt, especially for Tiff. Tiff was so annoying. Um, so I'm guessing it's short for Tiffany. Um, Mitch was kind of like the creep, the guy that was like the hunter, like, you know. Uh, so I, I wasn't quite as annoyed with him, even though I did hate him. Um, but seriously, there were so many times where you just wanted... A dinosaur to step on Tiff and Mitch. <laughs> um, I was definitely shouting for it by the end. 
Um, which sounds really horrible, but I... Ugh. Um, so in terms of that, obviously, you've got human villains this time. Um, and they were drawn okay. Uh, Character-wise, they're a bickering couple. Um, it, it, it works okay. There's some nice comedy moments. Uh, they're, they're not the most well-thought-out characters in the world. Um... But obviously, you, you do get, like, obviously, so early on in the series, we, or not early on, but the episode before we meet them, I think, is the watering hole. And the watering hole is a big part of the series because it's uh, basically, obviously, well, the dinosaurs drink. And uh, as they're big game hunters, as Tiff and Mitch are big game hunters, they end up really wanting to go to the watering hole, um, which Darius... Uh, before he knows who they are, he basically tells them about it. So, obviously, that's a big part of the series. Um, in, in terms of, like, do characters change? I mean, I think Darius is uh, a pretty good character. I like him. He's very likeable. Um, I quite like the art of, of the chill with Yasmina trying to learn to actually just take a back seat a bit more and, and, and allow other people to help her. Um, Brooklyn, again, is one of those characters who does okay, but, like, I've never invested in that character myself. Um, and then Sam is kind of, again, the same sort of character. She's... I, now, I can't remember if this was in series one. I, I might be wrong. But she was very much caring for the dinosaurs in this series. And, like, trying to let them out and everything. Which was interesting. Um, so, obviously, the character I'm leaving out is, obviously, Ben, who comes back. Uh, so, Ben comes back with Bumpy, his pet dinosaur, basically. Or his friend dinosaur, more than pet. is his friend. Um, and, obviously, Bumpy's grown up. Um... And it's really fun. Um, now, the episode where Ben sort of, where we see what actually happened to Ben, um, you know, when he fell from the train, is both one of my least favourite and one of my favourites, because most of it is kind of paint by numbers, him trying to survive. Um, and I kind of got... Series one, I was a bit weird with Ben because I liked him and then I really didn't like him because he kind of became annoying with the fact that his character didn't change enough. Um, but this series sort of ramps up a bit. So Ben ends up becoming this sort of epic survivalist who he has the bandana round his round his head or no, it's not bandana, is it? It's like a thing around his head and he has a spear and he's riding bumpy and one of the best moments in the series is the end of the episode um, that sort of shows us what actually happened to Ben, where he's fighting a Toro, and it's so cool. Um, it's it's one of the, the better, like, uh, action sequences. 
Um, and it's also like, whoa, hang on a minute. He's become the action hero here. Um, and there's so many funny moments with Ben becoming the unlikely action hero. Um, I love them escaping from, from a place and, and they blowing up and, and Ben and Bumpy just like jumping out and him, him just uh, squirting, um, was it like uh, like hand sanitizer on his hands? Was was just a fun moment because um, he's still Ben, but he's he he's 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 slightly more epic. Um, what one thing I found kind of annoying was that like obviously everyone was really pleased to see Ben, but then he kept being pushed aside and was like again sort of pushed to the side of being the oh it's just Ben like he's got a. Blank- a bloody um dinosaur that he rides uh, i can't remember the name of it but um you know he's for a blinking toro i think he's all right um um we also find out a bit more about the island with some some mysteries being revealed um I mean, I think the major problem with this series is that they have to do something more with the uh, with, with that world, and obviously, um, because Jurassic World um, is one of those ones where um, I say this is a safe place to enjoy, but it doesn't matter anyway. So, one of the things with Jurassic World is obviously it's got it's got its storyline going, but we know a lot of the secrets now. Um, so obviously coming up with with new secrets and new new mysteries. Uh, in fact, interestingly, this sort of becomes one of those things where it starts out like we're going to get a big mystery element and and plot and everything. Um, we're going to find out something big about about the island, um, and we do get some nice moments. Uh, the last episode, which is actually really well done, um, has. Um, them finding like the control center and powering everything up again, um, and that was cool to see. Um, and I will say the strongest stuff with Brooklyn is her discovering stuff, like series one. Um, she's sort of the force for discovering mysteries about the island. Um, in terms of where this series ends, um, it kind of ends where it began, really. Um, but in 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 a good way. Um, because it basically ends with them not being able to escape because the, the boat that Tiff and Mitch came on, um, has, has gone. Uh, Tiff and Mitch do get stopped and I do really like their ends. Uh, Tiff especially when she's leaving on the boat and the, uh, dinosaurs get because she thinks, oh, she's really smug about leaving and stuff like that. And she's like, oh, you've ruined my holiday. And then she gets by those dinosaurs, um, or the ones she killed, didn't she? So, yeah, um, the ending sort of leaving us sort of with, I guess the characters coming back together, um, and being like, uh, we're not going to be waiting for people now, we're going to do this on our own now, we're going to actually try and escape, um, ourselves. Uh, we're not waiting on anybody, which is a fun place to leave it because they've all grown quite a bit as characters, um, and they've obviously faced quite a few threats. So um, it was it's just done really well. Um, I mean, obviously, series three is not that long until we get that one. I don't think these come out quite quickly. I mean, series one was 
um, not that long ago. So I'm I'm quite excited to see what we get from series three. Um, I'm hoping it's going to... See, the thing is, I was hoping that Series 2 would sort of end up being them escaping and landing when the dinosaurs had broke free in the world. But obviously, I suppose that's a bit difficult because the third film is not out yet. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. It's a solid series. It's it's solid. It's a lot of fun. Um, it's good for what it is. Um, I mean, if you enjoy Series 1, I can't see why you wouldn't enjoy Series 2. And I would say that Series 2 is probably the better series um, overall. Um, I mean, it obviously depends whether you like the direction of having the more human foes this series. Because obviously, Series 1 was very much uh, Indominus Rex and, and the dinosaurs. Those were the threat in, in uh, Series 1. I mean, it's a bit like... With the um, uh, original movies, really. Um, so yeah, I will be interested. I'll be interested to see where this goes. Be interested to see where this goes, um, and I I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was fun. I I watched it in no time at all. Uh, yeah, so cool. Okay, so um... and now I'm back from outer space. Oh. The other room. Yes. Well, you know, I could have put it. I could have put that bit after it. You didn't. You never know. But no, this is this is finally. Um, so yeah, I've just got done talking about dinosaurs, which was fun. So yeah, finally, I'm doing my Doctor Who segment. This was a bit of a close thing. This was because I didn't know if I was going to do this segment this week, but mm. I managed to do it. Uh, so I'm going to be talking. But you about... raced through. Yeah. So I'm talking about uh, the second Doctor Who uh, Virgin New Adventures book. Yeah. So it's part of the Time Worm series and it's Time Worm Exodus by yeah. Terence Dix. And I haven't read this. No, you've read neither of them. Um, so obviously... Um, I mean, minor spoilers for the first one. Um, and I suppose there'll probably be some spoilers for this one as well. Um, so, obviously, at the end of... Um, I say minor spoilers. I'm literally going to spoil the ending, but... Meh. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so, at the end of that one, um, obviously, Ishtar becomes the Time Worm. I feel like that's more minor, to be honest, because there's more to it than that, but... Um, so she becomes a time worm and, um, basically she becomes part of the TARDIS and then escapes through time, uh, uh, sort of looking through history, basically. Um, so, you know, ending up, doctors trying to look for her, you know, because obviously she's going to cause trouble. Uh, so in this one, the Doctor and Ace, they land in uh, 1950s London, but with a difference. In this 1950s London, um, the Nazis won the Second World War, and so uh, Britain has basically been, um, is basically controlled by the Nazis. So it's occupied, basically. Um... And so this is basically a what if scenario. It's an alternative yeah. thing. 
Which, obviously, Doctor Who hasn't done really. Like, doesn't really usually do uh, with, like, so, like the... AUs. Yeah, with, like, the TV series. They don't usually do uh, this. Um, and obviously, later on in these Virgin Adventures, they have a whole um, sort of arc of them. Um, of yeah, because it's always an interesting concept, isn't it, to do an universes. AU? You've got a lot to explore. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the one I'm most excited for, obviously, is Blood Heat, which sounds really interesting because it's uh, what if the third Doctor died when in the, in the Silurians, um, and so the Silurians won and and took over planet Earth, which is such an interesting idea. Uh, anyway, getting off topic because I haven't read this one. I've read Exodus. Um, so this one is actually, I really enjoyed this one. Um, it's a really interesting and quite a fun adventure. And, um, so basically the Doctor and Ace, they land, um, they experience 1950s London under the occupation of Nazis. Um, and obviously find out a bit about what might have happened and what might have gone wrong. Um, and try and figure out who might have done it because they're unsure if it was actually the time worm. Um, and then obviously they go back. Um, so they visit some different times. So we've got 1950s, uh, 1923. Um, so that's when they, for a short chapter or for a few, like a short two chapters, I think, where uh, they go back to an early rally in... in um, yeah, so this is well before Munich, the I think it was. World, yeah, yeah, in Munich. Um and then 1939 is where the sort of second half of the book really takes place. So this is um, the start of the yeah. second half. So this would be just before, just before the uh, second world, just before war actually broke out. Yeah. Um, so it sort of starts um, like a few months before um, the war breaks out and obviously leads into the war. Um, so when Hitler's sort of gaining a lot of momentum, well, he he's power. gained loads of power in Germany at that point. He's mm. he's the head of Germany basically at this point. Um, so obviously it's sort of about the war is about to break out. Uh, uh, you know, about to start, and then the final part. So is nineteen uh, forties. So again, sort of middle, middle, sort of near, nearing the end of the war. Um, so you were saying, I think this is written by someone different to the first book, isn't it? Yes. Well, they all are. They are all different. They're all different authors. So obviously, this series is like you know, uh, new and old authors. So obviously, Terence Dix is a very well beloved um, writer. He was a big part of Doctor Who, uh, especially in the seventies with uh, jo uh, John Pertwee's era. Um, so obviously this is quite an interesting, uh, direction for him to go. And this was obviously his first sort of, but, it, um, I mean, obviously this was his first sort of original novel, I think, for, for Doctor Who. Uh, I, I believe so anyway. Yeah, it sounds like a natural wrong. person to choose to write a novel of Doctor Who. Mm. Yeah. Well, they were sort of going for new and old. So, I mean, obviously, um, <clears throat> Uh, like obviously you had John Peel who had written uh but for Target so he he was a writer at that point, um, 
the next book is written by Nigel Robinson, who was, uh, I think, like, a, a director of them or something. I think he uh, he was ahead of something, I think, to do with the targets. And then Paul Connell was actually uh, a fanfic writer, I believe, uh, who travelled in that sort of circle of writing for the... Um, like the fanzines and everything, so I ended up because yeah. um, they had a very open, um, which is door. cool. Yeah I, yeah, I think definitely. You know, people sort of look down on fan fiction, but honestly, um, there are some I think this amazing is why, writers. I in think that. this is why, uh, in some ways, the uh, Virgin New Adventures are sometimes not quite as well help because a lot of nostalgia is placed for them because they started out you know with the, the new novels they're sort of where uh the, the series for the wilderness era really began but i think a lot of people you know b- because i think they're so out there a lot of the time and and they're you know they're there's a lot of new writers who are trying different things and you know so i don't know but um i i i love the freshness of it and, and the interesting of it. Although the first two are very sort of standard. Um, but the second one is a lot better than the first one. Um, and I definitely recommend it if you enjoy this sort of story. Um, so we've got a few sort of um, big things. This is... Um, Terence Sticks is obviously known for... Um, not only... He, he does quite a few continuity-laden books. And this one is no different. There's quite a few uh, continuity references and, and stuff like that. Um... But also he tends to use a lot of his uh, old villains. So this one has a returning villain in, or two returning villains. Well, okay, one returning villain and then uh, the son of another one, um, which is a slight spoiler. But yeah, um, so yeah, I basically, uh, yeah, you start off the book and you're um, obviously in 1950s and they've already taken over. Um, and it's, it's really quite fun because you have the doctor basically uh really sort of brute forcing his way into the nazi ranks and uh passing off as like a uh like a um an so investigator actually, you know a nazi investigator sort of thing yeah so he's actually so pretending he ha- to be a nazi himself yeah and um, uh, sort of a high-ranking nazi who's sort of bullying everybody about and it's great um um because it it with this one, uh, so like with John Peel, there was the feeling that um, because he didn't like the Seventh Doctor and Ace, he wrote them really poorly and, and mischaracterized them. In this one, it feels more like Terence Six didn't quite know the Seventh Seventh Doctor and Ace um, amazingly well. Uh, it wasn't that he hated them, but he I, I don't think he'd maybe put up or really was that in the loop of it so um it's quite a uh there's a good amount of characterization but it's it's quite a uh broad brush stroke of a doctor you know you have the very much um him uh basically sort of uh, getting himself um into trouble and sort of um oh what's the word um like passing him sort of off as people in sort of this like nonchalant way, like you know how there's sort of moments where it's like how how the hell is he pulling this this stuff off, like pretending to be a Nazi and being in the middle of it of the midst of them, um, so you know, 
Yeah, so probably not sort of like really reflective of, of, of Nazism exactly, you know, because uh, that was like, you know, he'd, he'd probably be dead, wouldn't he? <laughs> or, you know, it's like a very dangerous regime. You, basically, he's passing himself off as a Nazi. I don't really know what you mean. Just um, just from the point of view that, you know, if you were going down a, a sort of really realistic route, um, the Nazis were, like, really unforgiving of anything. So, you know, it would be really hard to pass yourself off as such. I mean, it is quite a realistic route with, like, looking at the Nazis and who they are and, like, um, sort of the ruthlessness of them. Um, the thing is with the Doctor is that he's, um, he's very, he's sort of like the trickster, he's, he's, he's playing them all, um, and so he's always sort of one step ahead of them in this, um, which is really fun to see, so it's, it's less like that, I think you're sort of thinking, oh, you know, they're yeah. sort of, they're, they're playing the fool, because they're not, they are literally the Nazis in this, um, and obviously he's always sort of one step ahead of them and, and trying to play games with them. But there's always that edge of like, how the hell is he pulling this off? He's going to get caught surely in, in a little while. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, he, he gets very close to being, you know, blown. So is it, does ways. it feel quite tense as you're sort of reading it? Yeah. I mean, it does feel almost like a, um, uh, almost a bit like in uh, Inglorious Bastards. Um you know, when they're in the midst and, and it's like them trying to, trying to basically get into the Nazi ranks and, and, and sort of pull off the mission, but also being really close to being caught yeah. uh, by, uh, by, you know, a Nazi official. Um, this, this one's got a similar thing. Um, so there's a few characters like that. I mean, uh, so you've got, uh, in the first half, you've got Anthony, um, Hemmings, I believe that's his name, um, who is basically, um, is, I think he's a lieutenant or something, who's part of the Fry Corps, I think that's how you say it. Um, uh, so basically he's sort of um, the head of those, but not like the most highest ranking official. Um, and so he's sort of the opponent for the Doctor in the first half. Um, so the Doctor has to try and stay ahead of him and, and, and it's quite fun and also quite tense watching him sort of play head to head with him and run circles around him and, and, and get sort of trapped in situations and um, so it, yeah it's, re it's really well done um, and obviously you know later uh, he meets you know when, once we get into the 1923 and 1939 and 1949 uh, 1940 um you do you know he he becomes uh he, he meets uh hitler and he's he's like official rings you have like goering and and goebbels and and yeah um some other characters as well um obviously who who are real people um, now, anything with like this is obviously very, you know, it's it's quite a touchy subject because they're real people. Um, this was a real event, um, and you have to be very careful with how you handle it. I think mostly he handles it really well. Um, I think he manages to inject the fact that these people are human, but that they are not good people. Um, 
and the like so I, I've seen some reviews where okay so a few things you should know going into this book so the doctor be kind of becomes sort of buddies with Hitler but not really it's like he becomes this almost mystical character to Hitler who thinks he's like this um god who's giving him this destiny that means he's going to take over the world but obviously the do the doctor's playing to that so he can sort of get in and find so out really it, yeah yeah so, so he can find out really what's going on um so like in 1923 he meets a young hitler and in helps him out but obviously it's in this cause where he has to keep history going um so there, there is that interesting dynamic of like the doctor helping Hitler but not really wanting to and, and having to sort of yeah. struggle with that whole thing um, and, and it's it's a really nice proud but obviously so with this um, the, the difficulty is obviously that um, a lot I think a lot of reviews kind of talk about Terence Sticks's maybe not really understanding some things uh so from my point of view it seems like he doesn't really understand why the nazis got to power and and became the people that they became you know he he knows that they're evil he doesn't really you know he knows that they're human people uh i think that's obvious to me i think some people think otherwise but to me in my reading of it it seems more like he just doesn't understand why other people would follow him uh, yeah so for... like so like why why an entire nation would actually listen to this absolute lunatic not only that but what how hitler because um you know and his cronies because the thing is terence dixon really under he, he saw them as these sort of idiots these sort of uh, useless bumbling buffoons who had no you know didn't seem to really have any prospects of um sounds so familiar yeah who had no prospects like obviously i think uh hitler was like a chicken farmer and, and there's a whole passage where he's sort of discussing them and you can really feel like him going how did they even pull this off and and the, so but the thing is he knows that they are evil and they do have and I think he does kind of try and put that thing of like, okay, they were good at speaking, you know, this other stuff. And he had this group of people. I think the main problem is, is that he goes, well, it must have been aliens that helped them. Um, now, I will say it's not egregious, especially as you get towards the end. Um, and you sort of find out that maybe they're not as... Uh, like, the aliens are not maybe as powerful and as important to his reign. They're sort of using his success and just amplifying it. And that's that's really pointed out to a big point. In, like, there's a lot of um, stuff where they're basically going, oh, he was, like, this awful person who had this massive, like, persona that so they all they really need to do was slightly amplify it. Uh, which I, I find interesting. Um, yeah, so rather than sort of <coughs> making it, so it's like... He could only it, have pulled it, it off kind because of, of aliens. Yeah, exactly. It kind of excuses it, doesn't it, then? And it's like, you know, if it was if it was all aliens, then it would be just like, yeah. you know... And it's not. We know it's not. Mm. So, yeah. 
Um, but I do think, you know, that is one thing that I do think doesn't quite pull off as well. But honestly, it's a really good book. Um, and so it's sort of, it's a, it's a really quite slow build-up as you gradually get more and more. And then the ending section is really exciting. A lot of tense moments. Um, you know, we get to finally see all the pieces come together. Um, and yeah, so I mean, you know, quick spoilers, I guess. But like, uh, it's to do with the uh, the the war warlords, you know, from the um, war games. Uh, so they come back, basically. Oh, I see. Right, um, okay. So they are part of this plot. Uh, so it's actually the Warlord's son, which is an interesting um, thing. And then also uh, we have the War Chief as well, who's regenerated, um, but he's become basically deformed uh, because of it. Because yeah. he was so badly injured in, in, the, in the story. Um, that basically when he regenerated, he sort of, it's really interesting because it sounds like he grew another body and he didn't get the other body out. So he's basically kind of got two bodies. It's Inside really, one another. Sort of, sort of. It's like, it's it's a bit like a conjoined twin kind of thing, but without like the two head or, you know, it's kind of like he's got like multiple ma ma limbs. Troishka doll. You know, those dolls inside a doll. <laughs> Uh, not really that because it's not inside of him, but it's like so. Basically, okay. he's got sort of more limbs and stuff like oh, that. Oh, I so. see. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I understand. So it's like a the dead part of him is sort of hanging off, kind of. It's it's really interesting. I I love that. It's 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 kind of creepy. Um. Um. So then, my only other real complaint with the story is the ending. Um. So I don't have the complaint that most people have that it was like, oh, he, he left it, the Doctor sort of left it, the aliens or something. I, I don't really understand where people are coming from with that because obviously he has to leave history as it is. Yeah. Um, it's, and he I does mean, stop it is the a aliens. difficult thing, isn't it? When you think you can change that history, that mm. particular history, and you think, yeah, you know, um, all the millions of people. But I, I could be wrong. Maybe there's something there that I didn't didn't see. Um, but, uh, my main problem was the actual resolution to the big problem, or at least the, uh, warlords and that problem is that, um, it was just too quick. Um, it was sorted really like snap your fingers. Oh, we're, we're, we're sort of done after all that build up. Um, so I felt like it could have maybe done with a, with a, maybe one more chapter with them sort of as, as the nemesis, him really trying to stop them. Yeah. Um, and I will say in this, I, I thought that the time worm would sort of, sort of be relegated to the background and it is, um, but she is an important component of the story and she has some interesting things. Um, so she's stuck in Hitler's mind which is such a interesting way to sort of have you be able to have something that was from a previous story that you need in this story, but also have your own thing. Yeah. Um, and so add some interesting things. And then the doctor basically has to release her at the end of the book. Um, but, and that's quite a good moment. Um, and it's sort of a nice rounding off of the doctor sort of being this, um, you know, he literally at the end, it's like, uh, Hitler asks 
what do I do now? And the doctor says, your destiny. And it's obviously, you know what, what's going to happen. He's going to lose, lose the war. So, um, but it's interesting because you see it in a very different way. Because obviously, in Hitler's mind, he obviously thinks that he's going to take over the world. Um, so it's quite an interesting, quite an interesting dynamic there. I actually really enjoyed the stuff to do with the Doctor and Hitler. And I really found it interesting. Yeah. But obviously, warnings, if you're going to go into this, you know, again, true warnings for all that sort of stuff. Because uh, it's obviously not the nicest thing to read. and, and there No, some... exactly. And I mean, you know, I, I think we can think about things like that. Because obviously, it's, you know, <coughs> it's it's not nice. But, you know, thinking about things like that is just like a way of trying to... Yeah understand they're trying to stop it happening in the future yeah. and that sort of thing. I, no, I don't believe we need to platform Nazis and things like that. Um, what's Ace doing, actually, in the book? Um, Ace is kind of... Ace is okay. I, I, I felt like Ace was one of the weaker elements of the book, personally. There were some good moments. There were some good moments. But, uh, yeah, I... I mean, I don't want to get into all of it because then I'd be, you know, if you're going no, to. No, that's it, fine. Know. Just, just a little bit because I don't think, um, I don't think she was mentioned. So she's obviously not with the doctor for. No, she is with the oh, doctor for the for basically the entire book, and there's, there's some good moments. I mean, obviously she's appalled by the nature of the Nazis and having to work alongside them, and you have, you know, her struggling to keep a lid on that temper because you know that yeah there's that sort of tension of if she reveals them you know sort of thing yeah uh which is fun um but yeah no this was a really good book really solid really fun really well done um a few dodgy elements but really good nonetheless um so yeah i, I gave it four stars on goodreads i thought it was really good i enjoyed it um yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. So anyway, that's that's the show, folks. That's the end. This is the end. Till yeah. next week. Yeah, till next week, which is next month. This is we've done a whole month of this. Oh wow, yeah. We've done a whole month of this now. It's nearly so. February. It feels like it's been January for six years. Right, we're running on for twenty four minutes now. Oh, so I'm sorry. Wanna, wanna, wanna sort of, yes, it's fine. It's just online. <laughs> we yeah. So we've it's done. We do blather on quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, so obviously you can contact us and obviously find updates at Twitter at Blathering Pods. Um, and you can also, I think there's something to do with Anki, you can contact us there as well. Uh, obviously write a review if you want and spread the word. Um, and obviously, yeah, just keep listening. Yeah, keep, yeah, let, let's blather together. Yeah. All right, see you folks. Bye. Bye.